Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. How many of you have the joy where it runs very, very deep within them that they're happy, but you really don't see the outside happiness? Okay. How many of you have a kid like that? Okay. Seems like it's easier to see these kids than it is to see the others. So let me help you by giving you a simple, perhaps, definition of joy. Here it is. It's True rejoicing is a deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and for his glory. Let me say that again. It is a deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good but also for his glory. Now, if you have an eight-year-old, they probably don't understand that concept. And it would be wise for you to begin to teach them that concept, moms and dads. But the way you begin to teach them is that when you're afflicted by a lot of stress, that you have a deep down confidence that Almighty God who loves you and He's in control has something better for you in mind that also brings glory to Him. And... And you know what? That's how you choose to rejoice is to focus again in the Lord, that he is in control to be able to have, have this happen to you. Now, let me see if I can share it with you another way. And we've had some talks in some of our, our, our group meetings, our group leader meetings, and I want to make sure that I'm painting a picture again for you as a church. Okay? So that we don't just look for happy happenings to make us have joy, and then we have a manufactured false sense of joy by happy happenings, the best way for us to have a deep-down confidence that God is in control is for us to have a deep-down, accurate understanding of who God is. So if we really understand who God is and what He chooses to do, when I focus on that knowledge of God properly, then my feet will follow with the joy that I should have. So in church here, that's why we choose to teach chapter by chapter, verse by verse. That's why our small groups are going to teach you so you have a deep understanding about the Bible. We're not going to give you fluff. We're going to give you what does the Bible have to say. The more you and I have a deep understanding of God accurately, the more that we're going to see, whoa, I can understand God. He is in control and he has the right to be in control. And now I can be happy. I picked out about five different principles about what about God you should think about. Now, let me make this very clear. These are not the only five or these are the top five. These are just Stan's five, okay? They're in the Bible and so they're God's five, but not God's only five. But I want you to look at point number one, if you will. Here it says, the goodness of God demonstrated in your life. All right, you want to have joy? For just a moment, here's what you do. You know you've got the conflicts, you've got a lot of stress that, that's just rampant in your life right now. But for a moment, put that on the back burner if you can. Now, it's a choice to rejoice. You put that on the back burner. And on the front burner, what you're going to say is, all right, what I need to do now in the midst of how hellacious my life is, how did God demonstrate his goodness to me? And when I see that, I'm going to think about that. That's why it's good for you to keep a prayer journal. When you ask and you receive, you write down what God has done. What has God done for you? Now, you can go as general as, he's given me air, you know? Or what it could be is something so specific 
that it's only specific to you in your own little mystical, private way, but it was good to you. Well, here's a couple of verses just so you can hear what they did. First of all, Moses told his father-in-law that the Lord, what the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them and, and then how the Lord delivered them. And here's what happened. Then it says, Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel. What's the principle? Children of Israel, tremendous stress. God did something good. Jeth Moses tells his father-in-law, Jethro, this is what God did for us. What did Jethro do? Rejoice. What did he rejoice in? Not Moses. He rejoiced in the goodness of God. So begin to think, how has God been good to you? Another time, it says this, So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you. And there are many other verses, and I think you have that. So let me just pause by saying this. There's a, there's a characteristic about me when I lead small groups. Most of you that have been in a small group for a couple of times with me, and I'm looking at some of you, you know who I am. Small groups, we met with the uh, young singles last night. I like to have a time, and teachers, you Bible teachers that are out there, you might try this, because we want to focus on the Lord, not on us. And so I asked him, I said, would you explain to us how has God blessed you this last, and last night we said the last four weeks, to give them a big swath of where they could go. They could pick one out of the last four weeks. How did he answer prayer, save you from an accident, gave you a good report? How was it that God did something good? Do you know that when you what I call it expressions of praise, when you're focusing on God's goodness, all of a sudden it lifts everybody's spirit. Do you know what? Not one problem that they had went away because they shared that. There wasn't one thing that was relieved from their stress because of that. What caused them to have their stress relieved is for a moment they realized no matter how bleak it gets, God is better, God is bigger, and God can take care of me. So that's why we like to do, more often here we're going to do, more what I call expressions of praise. It's not praise about, look what God did for me and He didn't do something for you. That's hogwash. Because God is an active God that loves every one of you and He's in your life and He's doing great things. So think about those. Now there's a lot of these bullet points, but I'm just going to rattle through them now. You can read them. It says the fact that your sins have been forgiven you and you're going to heaven. No matter how bad it is, you might say, you know what, I'm still going to heaven. I'm still going to heaven. This is my hell because I'm going to heaven. The lost person, this is their heaven compared to what they're going to go through, you know? So you could put your together thinking, man, my sins are forgiven. Remember that. Don't ever get so far away from your salvation that you get apathetic about it. That's a great thing. Third bullet point, God promises to provide for all your needs. And he'll provide for your needs. If you don't get it, you might not have a need. And he provides your needs when he thinks you should have that provision, not when you think you should have that provision. But the principle is God provides for your needs. He'll give it to you when you need it. That'll bring you joy. The privilege you have to serve the Lord. The privilege you have to serve the Lord. And then finally, nothing can separate from the love of God. I can't wait for some of you to get to chapter 8 in Brian's class to just hear about how good God is and how he says, no matter what you go through, I will love you. So listen, listen, listen. Listen, 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 listen. Some of you are going through a financial problem right now because of broken relationships that maybe were or not your fault. And so you're feeling very, very much alone. Some of you are so stressed out right now because you don't know who to ask to help you. You have nobody like that that's in your life. And so maybe it's because relationships are just not there to be there for you in your life. And if that's the case, what I wanted you to know, you could feel very in love because we define, if that person loves me, they'll take care of me. If that person loves me, they'll be there. If that person loves me, he'll treat me certain ways, etc. So, and then maybe part of that's true. But for just a moment right now, while others might not be there for X amount of reasons why, yours or theirs or a combination, you might feel very much unloved. 
And that's where your stress factor is right now. What's your future going to be like in this condition of not connectedness with significant others? All right. If that's the case, that passage says nothing will separate you from the love of God. You could be listening to me on tape or radio or whatever, and you're saying, you know what, why I have stress? I have blown my life so badly. I have wrecked it. I have made promises I haven't kept. I've stolen people. I, I have wrecked my family. I've wrecked my marriage. I've wrecked my business. I, I'm a mess right now. That's why I'm under stress, and I can't get out of it. I'm so afraid of making another decision. I'll wreck another part of my life. You're just paralyzed. Don't think it can't happen in a church this size. There's probably more here than you think. Now, here's my point. You're now feeling, or believing, and that's why you're feeling, a lie from Satan that God has abandoned you or you don't have anybody. So if you want joy to come back, don't define relational issues necessarily as the things that says that you're loved. And you're going to have to say nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are loved. And as a byproduct, and as your pastor, and hopefully as honest as I can, you are in a safe community of people who really would love you. And so you just come alongside us and let us know how we authentically can help you when we can, and we'll do that. Now I'm going to contradict myself. I won't always be there when you call. I may not always be there to help you when you need. We may never help you the time or the way you want to be helped. But God will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore rejoice. All right, let's look at the insight principle for number three, okay? And that's this. To rejoice in the Lord is to keep my mind on the Lord always. To keep my mind on the Lord always. Now, I know that's a little bit of an overstatement, but I want you to just kind of lean into that a little bit. Even when you're having to think about stuff of life, and I know you do, sometimes your mind is occupied with learning a new computer program, or you're at school and you've got a lot going on from your teacher, and it's hard to think about God while all that's going on. But I want you to know that God is still in control that the superior worldview is the Christian worldview. So keep your mind on the Lord. Number four, this will go quickly on the last one. Number four is this. <clears throat> it's in the context, so that's why I'm bringing it out. It's power down with others. Power down with others. Sometimes our stress keeps escalating and escalating and escalating because we haven't really powered down with others. It's very similar to the other one about working in harmony with one another. This one is once it starts escalating you do need to power down. Look at the verse. It says this, let your gentleness, and I put in brackets there the phrase gracious spirit, be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. The reason I put gracious spirit in brackets right there is because when I went through the Greek and I went through all these different commentaries, I wanted to know what does it mean by a gentle spirit? Do you know that some of the greatest Greek scholars had the most difficult time defining what gentle spirit was? And so the, the best I could do is get a bunch of these guys together and get what they said this could possibly mean in all the contexts, etc. And I reduced it down to gentleness would be like a gracious spirit. And in a way, I like it because it speaks to our current language. We know what a, a, a gracious spirit is. Sometimes we don't know what a gentle spirit is, but now we know what does it mean to be gracious. Here in the island, we'd say an, a real aloha spirit. We drive with aloha. We treat people with aloha, with a gentle, gracious spirit. So in the passage of reducing stress, now stay with me, this context of reducing stress is going to explode at the epicenter of next week's message when it says, those of you that have anxiety don't have it any longer, do this. So we know that he's talking about anxiety in the whole context. Therefore, he says, be gentle with one another. Be gracious with one another. Those of you that know your Bible, let's play Bible trivia. Finish this verse. 
A gentle answer turneth away what? Wrath. wrath, okay? And so if you have a gentle spirit, a soft answer, it will turn away wrath. And so that's an Old Testament proverb that pervades all of our life. So when we're around people that are upset, quietly, power down with them. It's amazing how that when we speak softly and sweetly, how much better that does for us. Now, let, let, let me give you this, okay? This is, this is my opinion. I've I got to give this out. The kind of music we listen to and the kind of television shows that we watch, I'm not going to talk about the moral impurity and all that junk. I'm just going to talk about that kind of head-banging energy that comes from that adventure thriller that you go to the movies, and then they got surround sound, you know? And then you got the kids with the ear things going on, you know? And they're just, and it's going up down, man. It's just mainline, and it just, you know? And I'm not a, I like good music, you know, I like to get, you know, I, listen, I'm not a fuddy-duddy old guy, you know, I, you know, I, I, but at the same, if, if we're, if, if that's what we get to give our adrenaline fix all the time, I'm wondering if it, somehow that's where we're at, now stay with me, if I do, if I watch television shows that they're always arguing, maybe that we have that in us, you, this is going to date me, okay, kids, just, bury, you got an old preacher boy here, okay, but the old, the old people know what I mean. How many remember the show Quincy, the television show Quincy? You remember Quincy? That guy couldn't talk to anybody without yelling at him. You know, I could, you could imagine at the end of that show, I was just like, the only way you got to get your point across, you know? And you know what? I, I still struggle with that. I have four points today, right? I don't have problem with number one. I have a problem with number two. Not too much problem with number three. You know what number four is? Power down. How do you tell a preacher with a dominant personality, power down? But that's what a gentle shepherd is. And I'm wondering if some of the stress is just, we just feed it just with stuff that ramps up the adrenaline. And so then, and I'm, I didn't even say caffeine. I could have put that, but let's just leave that alone. All right? That possibly some of this stuff is bringing on the stress that if I eliminate some of this surface, and I know it's le like legalism, so I want to be careful. So you want to kind of pull out of your life the contributors that are just maybe benign, but together they're toxic, that brings on the stress that we have. Look at this verse in Romans 12, 17. I took it out of a different translation. What, what does a gentle spirit toward others look like? Here it is. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. I don't get mad. I get even. You don't do evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. In other words, do what's right. Not, maybe everybody won't see it, but the point isn't trying to show yourself in front of everybody. The point is there ought to be nobody you can't do right around. Listen, look up here. We're not talking about that you have to show off how good you are to everybody. So everybody sees you. Some of you kids are like that. You've got to see. Look at me. Give me praise. You know, it's not talking. The everybody means like anybody. Whoever is out there ought to be nobody that we can't do right in front of their eyes. No matter how bad they treated us, we will still come back, whoever they are, and do right in their eyes. Then it says, if it is possible, circle that because sometimes it applies. It may not be. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, implying that you can't always be in harmony with other people, you might power down with others, but the other person may power up. So it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And in this case, it would be every kind of person that's out there. Do not take revenge, my friends. 
I'm wondering if the revenging is going to then cause us then to have more stress. So it says, hey, I know it's he, more demons of those other people might be unleashed against you because you're quiet. But you will have more reserve and confidence in God if you don't power up with them and power down. Who knows, but you might be able to calm them down. So, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Now, underline that. You know what that's saying? That's like saying, you know what, I'm not going to return evil for them because what they did, but God and your love and your grace and your knowledge, sick them. You know, I'm not saying that exactly that way. I don't, don't, don't go preaching on that. Take that out of the tape. But in a way, leave it up with the Lord. Let God take care of it. For it is written, and this is the Lord's speech, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. I'll do a better job than you. I won't do too much, won't do too little. I'll do when it needs to be done. And remember, I may want to give him more mercy because sometimes that will bring about repentance a whole lot more than my wrath. On the contrary, here's what you do. If your enemy is hungry, feed the guy. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Now, don't look at that as saying, when you do this, you're going to just dump a lot of pain on him. Actually, it was kind of a positive uh, Bible uh, custom in those days that you'll be doing some stuff that would help him. Do not be overcome by evil. That means that don't get sucked into an argument that will cause you more stress. Don't get sucked into an issue at work or at school. Try to fight for every cause that's out there. Don't get sucked into some evil. But you overcome evil with good. And that's why it says, let your gentleness be known to all because your stress level is going to affect others. Relieving stress number four, last insight. I should look for ways... To show a gracious spirit to everyone, including those who bring stress into my life. Now, I, I believe with, with all my heart that we have a room full of people that are wanting to do this last point. I, I really do believe that. And I know some of you are at your, you're at your breaking point, in your opinion. I don't know I can do this one more time with that person who's bringing stress. But here's what I'd like to say, and I want to caution you with this. When you read a principle like you've just given, when it says, as much as it is to be a gracious spirit to everybody, even those that bring stress against you, the principle is not to do it one more time. It's the principle to do it one more time, and then 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 to the, to the rest of your life. Okay? So don't just practice it as one principle. It's in a continuous, I'm going to try to do it. Does that mean that I cannot at times be firm? You've got to be firm. I remember a time where Paul was dealing with these immature Corinthian Christians that should have known better, and he finally says, listen, my words, if you don't get it right, I'm going to either come to you with a blessing or I'm going to come with you with a rod. Literally, he says that. So there may be a time. But that was after an awful lot of love, an awful lot of history that was there. And so let me just encourage you to relieve stress. Be as gentle and as gracious as you can with others because it's for your health, it's for the glory of God, and you've got some things to chew on. Next week is kind of like you got the hors d'oeuvres, you know, you got the, what do they call the appetizer? Next week is going to be the meat, and I encourage you to come back as you're going to hear what else we can do. But there's enough here for all of us, including your preacher boy here, your pastor, to start working on these things. How many of you are willing to, first of all, admit that you have some stress in your life? I'm not going to have a stress meter here, so I don't know what stress is to you. And, and, if, and if you know people that have stress, don't, don't put them down because they say, oh, the stress I have. And then don't try to show scar for scar because you have more, you'll try to outstress them with your stress level. No, just... They got stress. How many of you got stress? Just admit it. 
I've got some issues in my life. I've got some un uncertainty, and that's causing me more stress. Some of you will power through it. Some of you are... You, you don't make decisions quickly, so you're nervous about that. Some of you are afraid to offend anybody, so you just kind of stay paralyzed. Other of you are trying to think your way through it, but you're still building stress. So you got to admit it. You got to say, "I need, I need some help right now." Okay, now you got that. Now remember, uh, three out of the four principles I gave you. If you go back through the passage, all ended with the phrase "in the Lord." So if you only could take home one point today, just remember your stress reduction is going to be found in the Lord. So this is where you go is in the Lord. Now you can take the other principles I've given you from the Word and now tag that to in the Lord. In the Lord. And so it's not how many more pills or how many more people you go for counseling. I'm not against medicine if you desperately need it because your chemicals are all off and that's part of the stress thing or it's feeding it or whatever. And, they, and we do know that it's important to talk to people. Even Paul said people ought to go to people that are stressed out and in conflict to help them out. But right now, remember still, don't count on the pills and the people. You count upon the Lord to help you. And so focus on the good things. Maybe your stress factor right here is you've been in and out of religious stuff for a while, but you're still not certain if you're going to go to heaven when you die, and you know that the time bomb of your heart is about ready to, to go off and you're going to die. And your stress is, where in the world am I going to go? I hope I go to heaven, and so some days I feel pretty good, other days I'm not sure. And that's your stress. That's the easiest stress to get rid of, of all. Because Jesus says, it's in the Lord. You don't have to be good to go to heaven. You don't have to join a church to go to heaven. You don't have to stop this or start that to go to heaven. It's in me. I took care of your sin problem. I died on the cross. I forgave you of all your sin. And he says, now what you've got to do is place your faith in the Lord, not faith in works. And if you do that, you're saying, Lord, I believe you now. You did die for me. I believe you. You're going to forgive me of sin. I believe you, Lord. You're going to take me to heaven. Where's the stress in that? And by the way, most every person will let you down at one time or another, but God will never do that because he's a God who cannot lie. And he's a God that's so powerful, he can navigate through all the issues of our lives and he can make it happen no matter what. People can't do that. You can't do that. That's why he says to go to heaven. It's in the Lord, by faith alone. Now, for those of you that want to settle that right now, would you simply say this to the Lord? Lord, I want to thank you for forgiving my sin. I want to thank you for giving me from your word the assurance of, of my salvation. I, I'm going to you, Lord. I know I'm going to heaven because I'm in you now, Lord. My faith is in you. It's you, you, all you, Lord. Thank you for that. Whew. A burden's lifted. How many of you today in here gave it up for God? You trusted in him right now forever to take you to heaven, and he sealed you. And you know you're going to heaven now. You've never done it before. Today was a day you said, I'm placing my faith alone in you, Lord. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Just slip up your hand. Is there anyone at all? Put up your hand. Never done it before. You're doing it now. Okay, good. Now, for the rest of us in here, was there some principle that you picked up today that you can at least begin to meditate on? I'm not going to insult your intelligence to assume that you've never heard it before. Some of you, this is old stuff that the Lord chose today to remind you. Some of you are so new, you can rejoice and say, man, that's exactly what I needed. And now you'd like for me to pray for you. How many of you would lift up your hand quietly and say, by that uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? 
I'm thanking the Lord for His goodness today to bring me this message to help me begin to navigate through some of the stress I have. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all? Would you put it up? that would like to have prayer for that. God bless you. Many hands. Our gracious Heavenly Father, it is so good that we can have confidence in a God who cannot lie, who's more powerful than any adverse situation that comes our way. A God who loves us and will never be separated from His love. A God who is always good to us. Although we may be hurt, you will never harm us. And that, Father, we know that your love is so wonderful to us that you're more powerful than any adverse situation that comes my way. And because of that, Lord, we say to you, thank you. And our stress is now not the intense as it was before. Now help us, Lord, to do the things so we don't continue to bring on stress by misstepping or misspeaking. So that, Father, that we can live in harmony with each other and we can show gentleness and a gracious spirit to those even when others are having a bad day. And so, Lord, I thank you for these dear, sweet people today. Blanket them with a great week this week in the Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.